Welcome. You're listening to a UC Davis Center for Poverty Research conference podcast. I'm the center's director, Ann Stevens. In November 2013, the center hosted the conference, The Affordable Care Act and Low-Income Populations, Lessons From and Challenges for Research. The conference featured top healthcare experts from across the country to discuss the rollout of the Affordable Care Act and what the new system means for poverty in the United States. In this presentation, Robin Afrime discusses the impact the Affordable Care Act can have on community clinics that currently serve uninsured and poor populations. Afrime is CEO of Communicare Health Centers. I'm Robin Afrime, and I'm a CEO of Communicare Health Centers, which um, actually is an FQHC, and you've you seem to know a lot about. I think you've heard a lot about FQHCs today, but we started as the Davis Free Clinic in uh, Davis in 1972, and so last year we celebrated our 40th anniversary. We've been around for a long time, and we've seen a lot of growth over the years. And um, the thing, um, the thing about uh, FQHCs is that not only do we provide comprehensive services culturally and culturally competent, but we, we are, um, it is our mission to see the uninsured. It's our mission to see people that don't have access anywhere else. And um, we do have a sliding scale, which is kind of really important. Um, so we've grown, um, Communicare, we now have five sites um, here, Davis Community Clinic, Salute Clinic in West Sacramento, uh, two clinics in uh, Woodland, Peterson, and John H. Jones, and a part-time dental clinic in Esparto. Um, for us in the, the health center world, um, this, is, this is great. I mean, honestly, the expansion uh, of uh, Medi-Cal um, and the ability for our, um, hard, for our long-term uninsured to be able to get coverage is really something we've been working for for years. Um, and actually, um, I don't think it goes far enough, but um, it is really a good thing. I was recently at a, our national conference in um, um, Chicago, and the, the president of our national association is from the state of Louisiana. And I sat there while he was talking, thinking I'm really glad I'm from California, because Louisiana is not doing the Medi-Cal, Medicaid expansion in that case, um, and um, not doing the health benefit exchange. And he, he, in that state, they have to struggle. They have hired. They have, we all got, as, as FQHCs, we all got funding for outreach and enrollment. So they did get some funding for that. So what they're working on is getting more people that are currently eligible for Medi-Cal on, the people that are under 100% of poverty. And actually in that state, it's, it's state by state, I think it's like 50% of poverty. So uh, for so for a lot of reasons, I'm, I was thinking, well, I'm really glad we're in California where we're going to be able to really help people get coverage. Um, so for us, it is about Medi-Cal expansion. It's really about outreach and enrollment right now, totally. Um, and then in planning, it's about um, how many residually uninsured will we still have and what's access to care going to look like. Um, so this is, we started playing around with numbers because we had to come up, we had to plan something, and we had to do some estimates based on the information that we had. This is this is from the census, and um, while it's not great, it, it allowed us to look at our population in Yolo County and see what's the what what can we what do we need to plan for in our health centers. Um, so the population actually now is closer to two hundred two thousand in Yolo County. 
but um, and it's we've consistently had about tw that twenty five thousand uninsured, and now we can break. We can actually say now what's going to happen to those uninsured people? There there are um, a certain percentage of um, undocumented that are not eligible for anything, and um, I actually believe it's larger in the county. But that gives us about 16,000 people that will be eligible for um, Medi-Cal expansion up to 138% um, of poverty. And then subsidy for under the uh, health benefit exchange under Covered California. And then a very smaller percentage of people in the county that will be unsubsidized over 400% uh, un of poverty. I think that's because in Yolo County, um, a lot of the employers offer health insurance. Um, so one thing that is, is important in our, in our county, and I think throughout the state, and um, I believe that the previous speakers were talking about this. So there was planning in the state um, knowing that this was coming, well, assuming that it was going to be co uh, coming. And um, for the people that were already eligible by, by, by economics for um, Medi-Cal, which is under 100% of poverty, but they were the single adults, they were called the LIPS, the L Low Income Health Programs, and we're calling we call it Path to Health. So those people will automatically transition into Medi-Cal. In Yolo County, we have Partnership Health Plan, which is our we're a county organized health system, Medi-Cal managed care, and all of those people will go into Partnership Health Plan. Um, we hope we hope that that goes well. Um, that's the plan. And then um, there's the expansion, and then there's people that are el eligible for subsidy. Um, so as far as outreach and enrollment, um, like I said, we did receive funding to do that. And we have nine, we call them client benefit advocates. They're also known as navigators. They're known as uh, certified assisters. They've been through the training uh, with Covered California. They've been through the uh, background checks, now you have to be fingerprinted, and we're waiting, slowly but surely, they're getting their, what's called numbers, they're actually getting certified. So of the nine, three have gotten their certification, although they all passed the test. Um, and that's extremely important because they're going to be located in our clinics and out in the community, and they can help anyone. But in order to help people get on Medi-Cal, you also, you have to be certified by Covered California because you have to go into their system. And so um, we're also, it's very interesting because we're also finding a little, a little glitch right now in that the, the county and the state is not ready to actually put onto Medi-Cal the people under expansion. So if you're 100% uh, um, or less of poverty, you could get on Medi-Cal today. And Medi-Cal will not have an open enrollment. You can always get on Medi-Cal. But if you are um, the, the MAGI or the expanded Medi-Cal from 100 to 138% of poverty, if you applied today before January 1st, you would be denied. And so even though we thought the system would be set up to take the people um, that are will be eligible and set their applications aside and give them tentative approval and then on January 1st they'll they'll go in but it isn't quite happening that way so we're working with our county to figure out what we can do to make sure that we can help people 
get fill out their applications now, maybe hold them, and then right before January 1st, submit them again. Um, so for us, we're really, what we're doing is we're kind of doing some planning, and um, we're also doing in-reach and outreach, and we're, we're, uh, we're really planning to contact all of our patients, our current patients, who have been coming to us, uh, that are in the path to health to make sure that they know what that they're that they're clear on what's going to be happening to them, that they have um, have that we are still their their primary care provider and make sure that they transition well into Medi-Cal. Um, we're also going to be identifying, and we can do this. We have an electronic health record, so we can go in. We get a lot of this data um, by payer and by uh, by income, and we can figure out more or less, how many of our people have fallen off of Medi-Cal or the, the, um, the LIP program and call them to see if they, we can get them on, have them come in and help them fill out the application because they're eligible today. Um, and then we're go we will eventually be contacting the people that um, will be, would be eligible for the expansion and um, probably be calling the people that will be eligible for Cover California. But we don't, for our patients, 98% of our patients are under 200% of poverty. We don't think it's going to be, we, of our current patients, we don't think many of them are going to be eligible for, for um, Cover California. So these are our numbers. Again, we just estimated when we did this, these were the numbers. They're probably different today. But um, at any given time, we have um, 36 to 40% of our patients are uninsured. And so looking at those numbers, what, what can we see? And the, one of the numbers that really jumped out at me was the Medi-Cal expansion. That's um, uh, one of the estimates that we saw from the county. That's 50% of all the people in the county that are already coming to us that are uninsured in that category, which is good because we'll be able to contact them. Um, and um, that's a lot of people, and that's 15% of our, of our users. So um, now, now that we're going to get people on, we're going to do everything we can to get everybody on, where will, they, will we have access to care? And so that's a, a really a lot of where the planning is and where we are doing educated guessing, ed educated estimating, um, but, um, but actually could probably use better data. I'm really not sure it's there. Um, but we're looking, um, there's a couple of things that we're looking at is actually we think, there's some numbers I've seen if you read different studies. I think there was a study from, it was joint uh, Cal Berkeley and UCLA that said for the people that have fallen off of um, Medi-Cal, only 40% of those people will actually enroll, which I think is actually true um, because there, there's a reason that they've fallen off, and it may be they don't want to be on Medi-Cal, maybe they're hard to reach, but I think that's probably true. So I think that, but what we don't know is how many will we really enroll in the first year? Um, and um, I'm estimating that, it, I think I'm estimating just about 50% will actually enroll in the first year. We're, we're guests, again, we're estimating. And... Um, but we have to plan for something because we have to plan for expansion. So um, 
What um, you did hear, and it is true, that the, in the uh, ACA there was specific funding for federally qualified health centers, and uh, one was outreach and enrollment. There's been funding for us to get certified as patient-centered health homes, um, but there also was capital money. And uh, Communicare was uh, lucky enough, our timing was good. We are building an, a brand new health center in Woodland, which will replace our two very old, outdated centers, putting all of our services, medical, dental, behavioral health, substance abuse, perinatal um, outreach, education, all in one site. And we were able to get a $5 million grant. And um, for a $9.3 million project, it made it doable. We weren't, we would have had to have a lot of financing. We would have done it, but it would have been financed very differently. So that's really great because what, what do you do to expand? Well, you have bigger buildings, you hire more staff, or you have more hours. And we're also looking at that, more evenings and, and actually opening on Saturdays. Um, and it isn't just um, provider staff, which of course is extremely important. Everything starts with the provider, but it's also support staff as well. Um, so residually insured is a really big um, thing for us. We, we again, estimating if, if our numbers are correct, are um, our uninsured will go from 40% to 25%, but I think there will, we will always have uninsured coming to the clinic for a variety of reasons. Obviously, the undocumented. Um, we, don't, we don't know exactly how many uh, people use the clinic that are undocumented because we don't ask, but we have a, we have a guess. Um, the, we heard earlier about the invincibles. Um, I think it is true that some uh, young, healthy adults will choose in maybe the first year or so, not to become not to be insured, um, but when the their penalty gets higher, they might decide to do that. Um, in Massachusetts, and maybe I wasn't here for the whole conference, so you may have heard this, but in Massachusetts, um, they found that towards the very end, the young adults, uh, young healthy adults, were waiting and waiting, and towards the very end, they started enrolling because they got worried about the penalty. Um, there, I do think that there's a lot of uh, people that we see that go on and off of Medi-Cal eligibility because when they're working, they have more income or maybe um, a family member joins the household and, and they have an income, um, but um, they're still very low income. And I think that um, they actually will choose not to do, um, I, when they can be on Medi-Cal, that would be great, but when they're not, I think they'll be uninsured because I don't think they're going to be able to afford the premium and uh, certainly not the deductibles. Um, and then there is a category, um, legal resident in the United States for less than five years. Um, they're not eligible to either. And um, people will just miss open enrollment. Um, again, Medi-Cal there isn't. You can always apply for Medi-Cal, but for covered California that there will be some people that, that do um, miss it. Um, this year it's, it's extended through March 31st. Um, and then um, next year, so, so we've heard unless it decided to change. And next year it'll be just for five, about five weeks um, October and no, November. But we do need to remember this is a really good thing. And um, it really, it really will, we, we will succeed. There will be, there will be real change. And we will have a lot fewer patients without coverage, which is really, really great for their health care, as you'll hear 
to a story from Chris when you don't have health insurance. Um, and then uh, more people, not just in Yolo County, but e- everywhere that has um, expanded coverage will have, a, will have a true medical home. They'll be able to choose a provider and stay with that provider. And there will, there will be positive changes in individual and population health. We're going to have to really work on that. But, um, you know, triple aim, we will be working on that. And I think it will, I'm optimistic. I'm Ann Stevens, the director of the Center for Poverty Research at UC Davis, and I want to thank you for listening. The center is one of three federally designated poverty research centers in the United States. Our mission is to facilitate nonpartisan academic research on domestic poverty, to disseminate this research, and to train the next generation of poverty scholars. Core funding comes from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. For more information about the center, visit us online at poverty.ucdavis.edu.